went through the whole thing. They liked me. I talked to them and then they were like, okay, just fill out the form and we'll talk more next day. And I filled it out. And the next day I got a call saying, I'm sorry, we don't hire people like you. And I'm sorry that this rule exists, but I cannot do anything about it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode number 16 of the Immigrants Live podcast, where we share stories of people who left their country to chase a better life. I'm Daniel DiBiasi, and in this episode, I had the pleasure to chat with Yuvika. She's originally from India, and she now lives in Chicago, US. She left her country when she was only 15 to go to study in Singapore. Her parents believed that she would have more opportunities if she would get a degree and a career outside of India, where women are treated differently, and the society expects you as a woman to get married and take care of the kids. She now has a job and a career that she likes, but it wasn't easy for her to get to this point. Finding a job as an immigrant in the US can be very challenging. Yuvika started a year ago a platform to bring more awareness around immigrants, so people can have a better understanding of what we have to go through when we move to a new country and have more empathy towards immigrants. You can find her work on Instagram and Facebook by searching Ports of Entry. You can also find the link in the show notes. Before moving to my conversation with Yuvika, Make sure to subscribe and it would be great if you could give us a five stars review. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Yuvika. Hi, Yuvika. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. No worries. How are you? I'm good. It's, uh, it's a good evening so far here in Chicago. Awesome. And where are you generally from? I am from India. I was born there, um, but I now live in Chicago. Okay, so... Try to, I don't know, walk me through from, did you leave India and you go straight to, to the US, to Chicago or? Yeah, sure. I've lived in a lot of different cities in the US and I was born in India, but then when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to go to Singapore for two years of my high school. Um, it was supposed to be an opportunity to really get out and like experience something different and it was a scholarship and so that's how this journey started and I applied I got the scholarship and I did went for high school the last two years of high school to a school in Singapore and uh, when I was there that's when a lot of people said hey you should look into schools colleges in the U.S. And I did. And then I applied again. And then I got into a college that I thought was good. I didn't come here to visit it or anything. I just went. So it's been kind of like different steps that happened that led me there. And when I came here, I came, I lived in Minnesota. That's where my college was and um, in a small town in Minnesota. And then after I finished college, I lived in New York. I lived in Florida. Michigan and now Chicago. So lots of places. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely saw a few parts of the United States. Um, a question, because you said somebody told you or recommended you to get into a scholarship or get into a college in the US. Yeah. Why did they recommend you that? So they, I was in uh, high school and my teachers and my parents and some other friends, they knew about the scholarship and um it was it's it's a hard it's a hard scholarship to get but they said hey it's not a big deal just apply for it it's like any other you know application form and at that time when i was doing it my parents thought that it would be really cool if i could get out of the in indian education system and experience a different education and see where that leads me my parents really wanted me to find another way to build a career they didn't think that the Indian education system was enough or like good enough okay did you like a leave India on your own to go to university yeah so I left India first to go to high school and then after that to go to college yeah and I left on my own my family was still in India at that time Okay, so high school would be like, I was 16, 17, something like that? Yeah, so I was 15 years old when I left. I, I celebrated my 16th birthday in Singapore. Okay, wow. So you were really young. So yeah, I was the really first, uh, I was the first experience uh, overseas in the new country. 
It was really cool. I think I was just happy that I got the scholarship, but I was really homesick. And I, I think I like cried a lot in the first few months because I didn't know how to live on my own. And I had friends, but like, you know, I was really dependent on my family. So my parents, you know, I would call them every day. I would I had to I was so homesick that I had to go home after two months of school because I was so 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 homesick but that's how you adjust and I think within that first year it changed a lot and I um you know did better it was also a different experience because if you grew up with your family like if you're a kid and suddenly you're just by yourself in a boarding school living with roommates um my roommates didn't speak a lot of English either so it was just a weird environment and it took me like at least a year to adjust to it like a year to adjust or a year to actually have your group of friends and having yeah everything everything like and also to like the school and to like enjoy it think the first few days I was like yes this is exciting but then it became harder to like adjust and so the way I eventually managed to do it is just to like, you know, be strong and just be like, this is a cool opportunity. Not everybody gets this opportunity. I have to, I have to figure this out. And so eventually I did. You were the only one from your school to go to Singapore? Um, yeah, I was the only one from my school. There were some other people from my city and other a few other people from other cities so there were a total of 25 to 30 people across the country who were doing the same thing that I was doing on the same scholarship okay so at least you were you had some someone to talk to yeah. at least they speak the same language yeah did you speak English at that point yes I did so I, I went to an English school all my life so I had that so that wasn't the problem out of all the people I was, so there were 30 of us maybe, and there were like five girls. And so I think just the fact that I think a lot of girls declined the scholarship because their parents were like scared to send them away. And my family was brave enough to be like, you can do, you can do this, like you'll be fine. And so I think that was, I, I think that they, they were probably dealing with more than I did like I was a kid I adapted but they were my parents they were probably more scared you know I bet do you have any siblings I have two younger siblings yes okay do they stay in India no so once I left then they also left at that like when they got to the 10th grade 11th grade they left as well so my parents then made sure that everybody in my family could get that same opportunity again so that you know, because it opens doors, so they didn't want any of us to be left behind because, you know, it's really just a little bit of hard work to do that. So, so yeah, I think a lot of it has happened because my family believed that that would be a good step for us. And for me, it I was an experiment in some ways because nobody knew what would happen, like whether I would like it. And once I adjusted like my brother and sister they're younger but I think they're a little bit stronger than me so they were fine yeah I mean they knew I mean they, they had your um experience and they yeah. had your example to follow so it was definitely easier as a second child yeah so I don't know I don't know much about India never been to India but why your parents were like so keen to give you more opportunity to, I don't know, to give you this opportunity to, to, to go overseas and study overseas? Yeah, I think it was a few different things. And I think there are a lot of Indian families that are doing that now. They're sending their kids overseas. You might have seen a lot of Indian people in Canada, and I'm seeing a lot of people here. But at that time, and this is 2007, I think, um, I think the my parents knew that I was doing really good like I had I was a straight A student that I if I applied to college in India I would get it but they were just worried that I would not be happy in that environment it's like a very um what's the word it doesn't promote creativity 
it's very um, dull. And because India has such a big population in those schools, like the competition is like crazy. And the people sometimes compete on the wrong things. Like, for example, if you are trying to be, you know, I don't know, an accountant or an engineer, like people like study for like months to get to that point. And I think that in that process, they lose their creativity, balance of life, things like that. Um, The Indian education system does not help people to be well-rounded individuals. Um, They did a lot of research and they, they went to Indian colleges, right? So they just knew that I wouldn't be happy. And they also thought that you know, my long-term future is probably somewhere else. Um, They wanted me to have a big life and a big career. Another factor that probably affected them was that they didn't want me to suffer once I... If I live in India and I work or go to college there, I would also work there, which meant that I would in some ways be considered less um, because I was a woman in India. It's as a woman, there's lots of discrimination and and people don't talk about it. But in the workplace, like it's really hard to get equal pay and promotions. And it's just they just expect you to get married and have kids. And so my parents didn't want that. OK, yeah, fair enough. But it's, it's a complicated. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's hard for parents to have three children and uh, have yeah. them all overseas and not see them very yeah. often. Yeah, well, that's hard. kind of like a, getting more normal now in, in India. Is that like a kind of the new norm for parents to send kids um, away? Away. No, it's probably away is not the right term. But Yeah, I think most people would, if they have the ability to, they do it. I think it's better for everyone because you you learn something different. Like I said, the education system is so like box-like that you don't, really grow as a person and when you work there like if you're a woman it's just really hard in the big cities like crime is so high that you can't even do anything past a certain time there and things like that so it's just like your life your work your mindset isn't healthy all the time so and my my parents went through that and they just saw that the education system, work environments, et cetera, were more equitable in other countries. And so that's why I think they took the decision. They were they were also being very ambitious. They were like, you know, they want me to be successful. They want me to be like anything I wanted to be, you know? So that's yeah. kind of a big dream that they gave me and that I took from them. And I don't think I would have done anything if they weren't like, looking looking towards that dream okay no it's definitely admirable for for them to do that because it's yeah. as you say, it's not easy for a parent to, to to let your your kids go and uh, and not see them very often i mean it was hard for my mom yeah. and uh, going back to the education system um so you said that you moved to a new school in high school in the last two years of high school so how mm-hmm. was the did you see that difference when you moved to a new school in Singapore that the the education system was different? Yeah, so the education system, so both India and Singapore have the British education system because they were colonies of the UK a long time back. So in terms of the teaching style, there is a slight difference because what the Singaporean education system does is it's intense, like in India, but it's also balanced. So to be good in classes and exams is not good enough. You have to also be good in extracurricular activities. You have to be uh, good in sports. Like they look at everything. So just being good at one thing isn't, isn't done. And they also help open the door for me to colleges that if I was in India, in Indian high school, I wouldn't be able to access. So from an Indian high school to apply to an American college is very hard because the scores, the results are not comparable to U.S. scores, U.S. high school scores. But in Singapore, the school that I went to 
those scores could be comparable to U.S. high school scores. And so that helped the college admissions group to figure that out and help me get the admissions. But yeah, so I think the experience was still like in line with the Indian experience, but it was just more broader. It was about, I, I took like economics and literature and project work and just like very broad courses whereas in India I was studying math physics and like just all the subject areas and here I was able to like go a little bit broader and do some things that I wanted to do okay and out of curiosity I mean Singapore I think the official language is English right Yes, it's in, they have four languages. They have English, Tamil, Malay, and Chinese. Mm-hmm. But you were learning all the lessons, everything was in English? Everything was in English. So even then, I mean, you, did you know that kind of English, the, the terminology for what you're studying? Because in India, I, I guess you were studying in Indian, right? In your own language. No, I was, so in India, I wasn't studying in English. Oh, okay. But, but obviously, like, when I was home, I was speaking in Hindi. Um, but in, in, in school, like everything, like speaking, writing was in English. Um, the only difference was the slang. So like sometimes people, the way they talk is slightly different, even if they're speaking English, you know, Mm -hmm. so that I had to adjust. But other than that, there was no difference in English. Oh, okay. No, because sometimes I feel like I don't know. Anything because sometimes mm-hmm. some, some people ask me a question, or even about about history, about some like a famous I don't know yeah. person in English and, and changes the name. So I don't know, like I don't know this guy. Like <laughs> how do you know? How do you you don't know this guy? Like it's so famous, yeah. it's so important. Like I don't know. Then I know the equivalence in, in my own language in, in Italian. Like of course I know. That's just yeah, yeah. It's, yeah that's why I'm saying. Learn, it's, I had to learn like, okay, who are, what is Singapore and its history? I had to learn who are the famous people. I had to learn like, it is a country and it's different from other countries. So I had to figure that out, but I didn't have communication barrier. Like people could understand me. I could understand them. So communication wasn't the issue. It was the cult. It was a culturally different place. And the culture was, I guess, was was different. It's like a more Mm -hmm. like a... Yeah, more Western. So I was coming from a conservative Indian small town and I was going to like a big metropolitan country that's very Americanized, but also still Asian. Okay. So when you moved to the US, did you have another um, adjustment to me? It was like a a similar kind of environment than you had in uh, in Singapore. Yeah. So I had to make another adjustment when I moved to the US, but the adjustment was a lot smoother. Maybe because I was already, I think, go doing the adjustment. So like it was automatic, but it was a lot smoother. One of the things I think it was a lot smoother is I think that um, in Singapore, like the there is a hierarchy of like people. I think subtly in society, there's a hierarchy and the dominant race in Singapore is Chinese. And so as an Indian, even though like I spoke English, it was kind of hard to assimilate and make friends with a large bunch of Chinese people, even though like we were all kids and we like, it was just hard because there is a subtle hierarchy. But in the U.S., like I didn't feel like I was somebody you know different like everybody just like immediately wanted to get to know me without caring about where I was from does that make sense yeah no kind of I know yes yeah. I, I don't know I don't I can't fully understand what you say because I never had that, that feeling that experience yeah. in my life but I, I I could I could get it even because uh, correct me if I'm wrong but usually like a Chinese are famous to be kind of like a close community yeah so they kind of like a group together right so maybe yeah. if you feel the same environment you feel automatically excluded because you're not part of the same group right yeah and in the u.s even though there are groups there's still enough diversity that they there's enough openness that like nobody's completely tied down like everybody is trying to understand everybody else at, i mean i know there are issues but people are not forced to be with each other if they look the same you know 
they mm-hmm. can just diversify if they want. Yeah, that's the beauty of these like new countries. And there's yeah. so many different races and uh, different many people and from all over the place and and then join together and on to get together, you know, you know, in one single group. Yeah. That's what I love about, especially at the college. Yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. And after you finished college, how easy it was to for you to stay in the country? It was tough. I think the that's why I care a lot about immigration related issues because I think since college till now I've dealt with different different challenges and worked my way through it. And um, even though there were no issues getting assimilated in American society, I think the hardest part was to figure out financially and legally how to stay and how to be productive here. So my first job was definitely like, it was tough for me to get it. Um, I I have to always, every few years, figure out my visa situation um, because in the U.S. it's really hard to be a permanent resident if you're uh, an international student or international immigrant. Like if you're an immigrant, it's just... They, it's just the legal process is just really long. And so, but I've figured it out. I've worked with different companies, different lawyers, and um, and I'm still here. So there are loopholes, but it's not perfect at all. Do you have any tips that you can give to people about uh, maybe, you, you, I don't know, you, you learn from your mistakes yeah. or do you have any know, tips of what people can do to not make the same mistakes or the, the path to get your permanency or to get a visa a little bit easier? Yeah, I think what I would recommend, and I know all international students look into this, but try to find out if you can stay on your student visa for longer after you graduate, because the switch from student visa to work visa is always tricky. So try to find out if you can extend your stay. Um, and I can go into more detail of what that legally means, but there's ways to extend it. Um, and the other thing I would say is for work visas, like different companies fall under different categories of work visas. So if you work for a nonprofit or research institution, you don't have to go through the lottery process of getting a work visa and if you work for a normal for-profit company it's slightly different you have to go through the lottery process Um, and the lottery process is basically you get selected to work and it's since the lottery you can by luck you could get rejected there's a lot of other things like you know networking a lot um having an immigration lawyer like throughout your lifetime if you do if you can like that would be great I didn't do that that great I always try to find a new lawyer and it was always hard um yeah I'll keep thinking I probably have a lot more but those are some big things that come to mind okay so let's talk about you you said you care about other people other immigrants Mm -hmm. um you have like a social media, you have an Instagram page about where in, you interview uh, other people, other people, other immigrants, and you share their stories. Do you want to yep. more like talk about what's your goal is and what's uh, your your mission is? Yeah, sure. So it just I started this project last year, and it's called Ports of Entry. It's uh, right now it's on Instagram and Facebook, but what I'm trying to do here is find ways to share stories of people who are either connected to immigration or are immigrants themselves and just bring out very simple everyday stories to the reg- to the public. The, the way I'm thinking about it is that if I find somebody on the street or at an airport or at an event who has an interesting story, maybe someone who reads that will be like, and who's not an immigrant will read that and be like, oh, I can relate to that. And that will help people to kind of be more accepting of immigrants. One thing that I feel in the U.S. could be better is that even though people are cool with different cultures, different races, there's still this thing about, you know, building walls and all that rhetoric about how people from outside shouldn't come in and 
Well, America's a country of that was made from immigrants. Like everybody who is in America moved here from other places and other countries. And I think people are forgetting that. Like everybody has an immigration story, whether they know it or not in their family, everybody. So maybe their great grandparents moved here, but they all have that. And so they've forgotten that. And I think that the new immigrants who are coming these days are suffering more because the rules are not in their favor. So I'm just trying to create more solidarity for them through these stories. You know, and I think you're doing an, an, an amazing job. And I agree with you. And I think there's so much ignorance around immigration and about racism. And I think with, uh, with internet and social media, I think this ignorance actually amplified and it reached more people. And yeah. as you said, um, people forget that they're all immigrants, the previous generation, they all immigrants, they all come from somewhere, unless they're natives. I mean, even just the name of America comes from the the sailor Amerigo Vespucci, which was an Italian <laughs> that he used as, as, I'm not very good at history, but I know it was Italian. I'm not sure about, I think he, he used like a, a British uh, ships. Okay. And that's why it was a British colony. Even uh, Cristoforo Colombo, which is in English, I think is, Christopher Columbus. Yeah, Christopher Columbus, yeah. And that's what I was talking about before, about the names. It, like a yeah. history names. It, it, it was another Italian guy with a British, um, sponsored by the British Empire. So everybody in the US, I don't know why they, f they forgot or they just, they pretend mm -hmm. they forgot. It's a land of immigrants. That's yeah. what it is. And I think spreading knowledge, um, it, it might be a silly thing for somebody, but like about the racism right now in the US, I, I had no idea how bad it was. We yeah. had, I think we, we had to get to this point where things are going crazy to actually realize how bad the situation is. Because for mm -hmm. um, people of color, that's their life. They are aware of what's going on. They're, they're racism, they are every day they experience. But for um, a white person or somebody from not yeah. inside of the United States, that's a thing for me is still something that I can't really wrap my head around. It's just something that comes from a, a different planet. I don't know, it's yeah. something so freaking weird. So having that knowledge, then no, now I know more about the life of people of color. So the same thing that you're doing with immigrants, knowing more about this, the life of immigrants, what people, why people live in the country. Because you, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So mm -hmm. if the people get to the point to where even people um, in Italy, they come from Africa and they get to this boat, they risk their lives to get on the boat yeah. and they go to a new land to go to the process. It's not because they want to come to go to Italy and steal jobs. They <laughs> do because they're desperate. So when you see yeah. the story from the other side, you see the other point of view, then you start realizing and having more compassion about the other people, why they're doing the what they're doing. It's not easy. If they get to that point, they must have a good reason. Yeah. And it needs to have more sympathy and empathy about immigrants and other people in general, to be honest. You, you never know what other people's story is, so you can't judge them or criticize them for, for what they're doing if you don't know why they're doing it for. Yeah. What do you think Canada is doing better that the U.S. is not doing about immigration? I feel like they're a better country about it, but I don't know. I don't see people against immigration in general. Maybe they are against some certain race, uh, maybe just like a thing from Vancouver that maybe you can see like a, some kind of racism or they dislike Chinese, probably because it's like a, a big community. There's like, a, there's a, there are a lot here in Vancouver. And also there's a lot of wealthy Chinese people. So probably even some racism comes from jealousy that you mm. can see like a, this young kid driving a Ferrari. I don't know, I think it's come, most comes from, from jealousy, but Overall, it's, 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 not, it's not bad. I never felt like I've been, I don't know, treated different because I was from Italy. Actually, for some reason, Italians have a really good reputation mm. here in Canada. I don't know why. <laughs> but when I, when I say that I'm Italian, they usually people see it like, as a good thing. So um, I'm pretty yeah. lucky for that. But not in general, at least here in Vancouver, I don't see any the racism that I can hear from, from coming from the US. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, no, it, it is. And I keep... The more I dig into the immigration situation in the U.S., 
the more I get upset because I'll, that's, I'll, that's what we were talking about before, there's so much ignorance. The people are talking and they don't really know what they're talking about. Do you ever like a witness any like a situation yourself about being treated different because you're an immigrant? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that the reason why I have an accent that's American is probably because I don't want to be treated differently. Um, I think I just got it in college because I was like, I don't want to look or feel different. I just want to be part of this society. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, just generally when I meet people, nobody asks me about, oh, what's your passport or which country are you from? Unless like they are curious. But I do think that, you know, when I get out of my bubble and I go out and like, for example, I was at a Thanksgiving dinner a long time ago and I um, somebody asked like what my immigration status was and I felt like nobody ever asks me that so why why would they ask me and I think it was because I was like good friends with somebody and they just wanted to know like what my intentions were and how long I was going to be here and and it's like it's like asking somebody like what your parents do Okay. Or, you know, so I just felt like it was a little awkward. So when incidents like that happen, then I feel like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are people who genuinely care that there's an outsider. And sometimes I feel like my friends group are people who are, have something to do with immigration. Either their parents were immigrants or they are uh, immigrants or, you know, some, like, I feel like that's my bubble. And when I get out of it, I see one or two incidents a year that where I'm like, okay, this is weird. Um, but I'm not surprised anymore. And sometimes I just like talk to them. Like I was once on a plane and this lady sitting next to me asked me like, where are you from? And I told her I was from India and she said, oh, okay. So are you going to be a citizen? I said, no, like, you know how long it takes to be a citizen? Like 10, 15 years. And she was really surprised. She had no idea. So sometimes it helps to start conversations. Yeah. So. I think most of the people think like, oh, the people come over here and they, they stay. But no, there's a long process. And yeah. to stay legally in the country takes a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of frustration. Yeah. Definitely. Because yeah. one of the things about immigration then makes you feel unwelcome most of the time because they put you so many obstacles in the way that it feels like, uh, do you guys want me here or not? And when you try yeah. to move to a new country, it's like moving to a new apartment with other people. Be like, do you guys want me here or, or yeah. not? Because I feel like you guys don't want me. If you don't want me, I probably just better leave. And That's a really good analogy, actually. Yeah, do you want me here or no? Yeah, so I just think that Whenever I travel, I definitely feel that way because I have to go through a separate line to enter the U.S. and I have to answer questions about why I'm entering the U.S. And it's always like, oh, I have to study. Oh, I have to work. So I don't have permanent residence right now. And in order for me to get permanent residence, I have to, you know, go through other steps that I'm not there yet for. Whereas in other countries like Canada, you don't have to do that. Um I also think that there are little other things that affect your life if you're an immigrant. Like you can't really get a loan if you're an immigrant, if you're not a U.S. citizen or a permanent resident. So for me to get a student loan was really hard. You also like sometimes need a co-signer on a lease or like if you want to buy something big like a car or something. There's like little little difficulties here and there that you have to deal with. Um and yeah, traveling. Traveling is when you actually feel it. Like in my job, I am a consultant. I travel for work and there are these uh, fast track lanes that you can take that are like pre, it's like pre-check um, that you can just go through and quickly get on the plane. And I can't apply for that because my passport is Indian and I need to be a U.S. citizen for that. 
Yeah, I mean, I understand some certain limitation, especially financially. And I mean, yeah. I mean, give you a, a loan that they don't know if you're going to stay in the country or not. Maybe yeah. you just get the money and then you leave. They don't know how mm-hmm. to track you down. So I understand that. Um, so there's, I understand some certain limitation, but that doesn't mean that they should treat you differently. But at the same time, I think certain regulations are there for a reason. So I'm not really against certain those regulations. At least, okay. yeah, that's my perspective. I don't know your perspective about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine, but if you can't become a citizen or permanent resident, let's say it takes 10, 15 years to do that, and like you start a family here or you know, you have money here that you need to invest, like it puts a lot of obstacles. So like, I think if there are rules, then they should be consistent. It should be okay. As long as you are on this visa status, you can't do anything. But as soon as you switch and become more permanent, you can do whatever you want, you know, Mm -hmm. but then they won't let you make that switch until like way later when everything is done. What do you mean? Like you can't apply for permanent residence unless you have somebody to sponsor you. And if you do apply for permanent residence from a country like India or China, there is a like a 10-year wait before you get your residence card. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing now? You just keep renewing your visa? Yeah, so I, I renew my visa twice and if i can't get to the permanent residence stage then i just reapply for another like similar class of visa i just uh, have to keep applying and renewing visas and is it like a straightforward you just apply for the to renew your visa and just get renewed or you have to go through a process and it can be denied at any point it can be denied but i always make sure that i have a good lawyer and if you have all your paperwork and you haven't done anything wrong or if you don't have anything sketchy on your profile it generally goes through under this administration under the Trump administration all the applications that I filed and I know from my friends filed they always came back with like a question mark saying hey this is incomplete and then you had to like resubmit it. So they added another step, but it'll, in my case, it has been approved. In some of my friends' cases, they were rejected. Okay, because that's the main thing when you are building your life in a, in a new country. You never know, you still, until you are permanent resident, you know you can stay in the country. It's always like, it's always a risk when you have to reapply. You kind of need to have like a, at least if, for, for me, it's like I need to have a plan B. What if I can't stay in Canada? My visa in, like expired in January, for for example. What if I can't get the next one, so I need to have a plan B? And have that uncertainty. You can't have a big commitment. You can't buy a house or you can't, I don't know, have four years loan for a new car or something like that because you never know how long you'd be able to stay in the country. That kind of thing is just that sort of uncertainty. Yeah. Were you able to become a permanent resident in Canada? I actually, in my situation, I had to apply for permanent residency when I applied for my work permit. The situation oh, was it. slightly different. I was like, okay, we give you a work permit because we need you. We need people like you here in, in mm-hmm. British Columbia, but we want to know if you're actually serious to stay in the country. So if you want to yeah. get a visa, you need to show us that you actually are planning to stay in the country. And to do that, you need to apply for permanent residency. But that was one of the requirements when I applied for my work permit. That's cool. That's good. So it's completely the opposite of what it sounds like from the, the <laughs> U.S. That's Yeah, completely the opposite. And I don't know why, because it's not like there are not enough jobs. Also, every immigrant creates jobs. Like there, there are more immigrants. They have more businesses. They work for more businesses. They create more jobs for more people. So they are, they are trying to reform it. I, I've been following the politics, but... Um, it'll take some time. Yeah. And another thing about immigrants, they, especially immigrants, they come with not a good level of uh, education or a good level of English. More Actually, education is not a really a, a, a good point because there's people that are doctors or like a mm-hmm. good education in their country. They move to a new one and their education is like a, doesn't have value at all. 
But it, if they don't have a good level of English, that means they need to start from the bottom. They need to start from the easiest job or the, the shittiest job ever and climb the ladder. So it, it, those kind of jobs, usually people that are born in the country don't want to do anyway. So that's another yeah. thing that the immigrants are good for. They're good for those kind of jobs that nobody else wants to do. And they're willing to do it because they want to stay in the country and because they know that they have to climb the ladder. So they have to start from the first step and and they're willing to do those kind of jobs that other people are, aren't. Like I wasn't, I did jobs when I was in New Zealand that I would never have done it if I was in Italy. Not because I'm better than that, but I think it's kind of normal when you are born in the country, the bar is set at a certain level and you don't want to go, get lower. Otherwise it's just, the, I don't know, do you, you, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean, right? It's yeah, just, I know. So I know that there are people who come here without the education and language skills Depending on how they came, they there are opportunities in the country to climb the ladder. Um, I just think it's really cool in the U.S. how there are immigration immigrants helping immigrants, like really really strong communities. Like because the government isn't there for them, so they just find ways to support each other and they make sure everybody gets jobs. Like you know. They help each other out. Like I've heard a lot of stories where people are like giving each other money. Like I was just on the phone with somebody who's dealing with some financial situation. And she was like, my friend just dropped like a thousand dollars check at my place. And I was like, that's crazy. But, you know, people help each other out. And I've never I think that's a very unique thing about immigrants. I've not seen that happen they don't have that much themselves, but they give because they want the people around them to be to be good um, because they know it can be life or death. You know, $1,000 for somebody who's rich doesn't mean anything, but for an immigrant, it can mean a lot. No, exactly. No, no, you're right. And I don't know, what was the biggest challenge you had to face in your own journey of immigration from when you left India to today? I think the biggest challenge was to... Um, get a job. Yeah, get a get a good job. Get a job that I wanted. Um, and I had okay jobs, like where I was able to use my college degree and my basic skills. But the job that I have today, I think, was probably the hardest job to get because I, even though I was, you know, a good student and I worked really hard, I just think that. There's just some companies that don't hire non-U.S. citizens and per- non-permanent residents. And I remember going to all the information sessions and meeting with companies. And I was like, I want to I wanna apply. And people would get really excited that I'm applying. But then when I would f- fill out the application form and they say, are you a U.S. citizen or permanent resident? Then it would be like rejection. So I think for me to get basic jobs is okay but to get the next level jobs like really really good paying jobs where you can you know support yourself and your family and everything that this job is like that and I feel like I worked so hard and I'm I, I think I'm just lucky that I got it but it was definitely very stressful and I was really disappointed to see the so, the so many companies don't want to deal with that and I think they don't want to deal with it because Maybe they have to do paperwork. Maybe they have to deal with the risk that, you know, their visa could get rejected. But it's all like a cycle. Like the government doesn't want to help us that much. So then the companies don't want to help, you know. It's like a cycle because they're scared that this person will have to leave. Yeah, even the process. Maybe they don't want to deal with uh, the whole application for sponsorship, I guess. Yeah. Because I had a similar situation here in Canada uh, I had my background in telecommunication. I worked nine years in telecommunication. So I applied for a job as a telecommunication technician here in Canada. And mm-hmm. they really wanted me. They, they called me like, I don't know, four or five times to ask me, Daniel, so are you are you coming, working for us? And I says, I need a visa. If you guys yeah. want to sponsor me, I, I yeah. would be happy to start with you. Like, no, I'm sorry, we we can't sponsor you. We yeah. uh, The company is like a big company, so the company doesn't doesn't do that. If you can find another way to stay in the country, get a, a visa, whatever, we're happy to having you. And they called me five times to keep like, so Daniel, you did you find a way to get a visa? Like, no, I didn't. You, I need you to give me a visa. But 
same thing. They were like, even there needed me, but they didn't want and they were not willing to go through the process to hire somebody in, uh, in my current, in my, in my immigration situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them, but I also think that there's no, I don't know if there's any additional cost to the company. Like they all, if they're a big company, they have lawyers, they have to have some international connection. I agree. So just, it's just weird when people say that. And my first job, the only reason I got my first job out of college was because my boss, she was American. She was not an immigrant, but she really wanted me. Like you said, your company really wanted you. And uh, she was like, I'm going to hire you. And I said, I looked into the company website and they said they don't hire people like me. And she said, don't worry, I will figure it out. And then she made an exception. She called HR. She's like, I want to hire this person. How do I do it? And they applied for a visa for me, which they never do. So it was just my boss who did that, except like an exceptional case. But that's crazy because not everybody will get that kind of boss, you know? No, exactly. How big is your company, the company you work for? The one that I work for right now, I think it's like thousands of people. But the one that my first job that I worked for was only like two, three thousand and uh, I, I did an internship with them. And that's when my boss at that time, she really wanted to hire me. And she said, I'll figure it out. And she called a lot of people and made it happen. Because that's the other so. thing about big, big corporation or big company. It's so hard to change the rule. And you have to go through so many different steps, which is much easier. I think easier. if you have the will, you, should, you can do it. Like she was a senior VP and she just called her boss and HR and she said why is there this rule like I want to hire this person I don't have anybody else and they were just like okay yeah just go go ahead but but HR the HR department if I submitted my application blind they would reject it you know what I mean mm-hmm. because somebody in HR has been told not to accept applications that are non-US citizen or non-permanent resident. It's just how it is. I had the same experience in college too when I went to a seminar that was of a company that I knew had this policy and I was like, I want to see why they don't want people like me. And I went through the whole thing. They liked me. I talked to them and then they were like, okay, just fill out the form and we'll talk more next day. And I filled it out and the next day I got a call saying, I'm sorry, we don't hire people like you. And I'm sorry that this rule exists, but I cannot do anything about it. So, Hold on, did you actually say people like you or they use a better better term? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't remember. No, I don't remember. I think it just said they don't, it was an email probably. And they just said, oh, we don't hire non-US citizens or people who don't have... um, who don't need sponsorship or okay, something. Sounds, and, sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And then, but the guy who wanted to hire me said, hey, I can't change the rules, so this is what it is. And um, and that's it. But I know that if people wanted to, they could. Like, But, but again, the company should be flexible enough. It shouldn't be on individual managers. And so... Have you ever thought about moving to a new country, a different country, where maybe the I don't know the view about immigrants is different, where you might be treated differently? Yeah. So the only other option that I've looked into is moving to Canada, moving to Toronto, but I haven't really seriously looked into it because I've spent ten years in the U.S. and I really like living here. And other than all the obstacles that I have to deal with, like my life is very balanced and full and I make good money and I can, I have, I can support my family, I can visit them. So I just feel like this is my place. And if I move again, I have to learn about another country all over again. And so I'm not ready to do that. I think I won't move unless I'm kicked out. <laughs> For any reason, I'm going to stay here. Oh, no, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And do you feel lucky to be an immigrant? Yeah, I think I'm lucky that I'm I'm able to do this. And I know that lots of people are every day trying to do it. And I hope that whoever is out there trying to do it, they, they get to where they're going. 
because it's a tough journey. Yeah, no, it is. It absolutely is. And so if you have like some kind of like a time machine and you could go back in time to when you went to, for the first time to, to Singapore and took it to your young mm-hmm. self, what would you say to her? I would just say that this is just the beginning and there's a lot more hardship and good things and bad things going to happen to you. So don't cry so much because <laughs> I was always like homesick and I didn't know what I was doing. I, I was just trying to adjust, but I didn't know that like I would be here in the U.S. 10 years later doing a great job and living a great life. I had no idea. Yeah, there's always that kind of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And where people can find you and uh, your, the, and find the work you're doing with uh, other immigrants, the ports of entry. Yeah. So ports of entry is on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in ports of entry in the search box. Um, and then, yeah, you can leave your message there and uh, I'll get back to you. But yeah, it's, it's still growing. It's only uh, a year old, like I mentioned earlier to you, Daniel. And um, I'm still looking for people and looking to capture more stories. Awesome. Okay. Thank mm-hmm. you very much for taking the time to do this interview. It was a pleasure. And congratulations for what you're doing with the Ports of Entry. I think you're doing a great job. And uh, I hope we can collaborate more in the future because I think we are on the same path, on the same, on the, with, the, with the same goal and with the same mission. So it would be cool to have um, like some kind of have a collaboration with, between us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Daniel. Awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. You can find all the show notes on our website, immigrantslife.com. If you are considering emigrating to a new country, I know how hard it is to leave everything behind and jump into the unknown. I've been there. That's why we are working hard to create more content to provide you with tips and resources to make the big jump a lot easier. All the content will be free. And if you want to be the first one to know when this will be available, you can join the Immigrants Life newsletter from our website. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you in the next one. Ciao.